It really feels like these days the writing is on the wall for a traditional education, especially an art education. More and more, it seems like attending a official university or college, getting a degree, especially if you need to spend a lot of money doing it, is somewhat outdated, especially if you compare it to a lot of the other options that are available today that can be a little bit more accommodating, a lot cheaper, and allow you to kind of go at your own pace. There are a lot of strong opinions out there, often calling to quit art school or skip it altogether. I think this is an important discussion. In fact, I quit my art education a long time ago. I quit to pursue my own path to figure things out on my own. And I became a professional artist and I make a decent living doing it. So it's certainly possible to exist without going to art school. Although the interesting thing is that I did attend, obviously, for about a year or a year and a half before I went my own way. And when I look back at that time, what I found is that things that I learned that at the time I thought were kind of irrelevant and, you know, look, were kind of irrelevant to what I wanted to do. I've actually found a lot of utility in those concepts over the years. One of the interesting things here is that we're often talking about the path not taken or you might be contemplating a fork in the road, making one decision that's gonna take you down a very different path to another. And in many ways, you can't really ever tell the future what that will mean, whether that will be the right decision. Even for me, where I feel like the choice that I made was the right decision, I can never really go back and you know tell whether maybe it would have been better for me to do something else. So it's one of these sort of fundamental issues where we're often dealing with a really, really important decision. And it can be challenging to have a correct answer. So I'm not going to give you any, yes, you should skip art school, you should quit, or maybe you need to go back to school and get a proper education, otherwise you'll never become a professional. I think that the real truth here is much more nuanced, but I do want to, you know, hopefully share some of the insight that I've had over the years, sort of learning on my own and contemplating this entire concept. I've actually taught in a university environment since quitting um, my course at the time. And again, I've been in the bottom 10% of the income slide and I've been in the top 10% of the income slide and kind of everywhere in between. Anyway, should be a fun one. So let's jump in and get started. Welcome to the Visual Scholar Podcast. My name is Tim McBurney. I've been a professional artist for over 20 years and on this show we're all about demystifying the worlds of art creativity and productivity so that you can get better faster and enjoy your artistic journey so i think this is a really interesting conversation topic let's say now i'm obviously someone who is gonna be you know a little bit on the side of hey you can definitely make it without a traditional art education. Probably, you know, my opinion would be you can probably make it without, you know, a traditional education of any kind these days. There's a lot of opportunities. There's certainly more opportunity to do that. It's a lot easier, more accessible. I think you can reach a higher level of skill than when I quit and tried to figure this out on my own. And I run an online course system. I'm here teaching on YouTube. I think this is important. And obviously, I'm going to be one of those people who's like, yeah, look, you don't need school. Although, interestingly enough, I actually spent 
a fair amount of time, probably about 10 years teaching in-person classes and workshops on fundamental drawing, doing boot camps and teaching a lot of character design, obviously comics and sequential art. And I did that at the concept design workshop, which is a sort of physical traditional school based in Adelaide, Australia. And a little way through that school's development, it actually partnered with a university and I sort of ended up sort of designing curriculum for moving people through fundamental drawing from first year to second year to third year, you know, throughout their entire curriculum. And I got to see a little bit behind the curtain of how some of those systems function in a traditional university and college education degree, even though personally I never got a degree. So there's certainly a degree to where I value that system and I've seen it work for people. Didn't necessarily work for me given my options at the time, but I think given a good school, given a good budget for that school, costs in Australia are a lot less than they are in the United States, for instance. I think it can be valuable. Throughout the process of teaching there, I saw hundreds of students go through that curriculum and many of them got jobs. It worked out well for a lot of them. And, you know, I still talk to them today. I guess the real question here that I often contemplate is, you know, if I could do it again, knowing what I know now, would I quit? Because that's kind of the thing where that that has changed over time, my opinion of that. Early on, I was very much like, oh, why did I waste that time doing this? The more that I've progressed, what I've kind of found is that, look, this is more complicated. And that underlines one of the major problems here when you're asking someone or contemplating or talking to other people about like, hey, how was your education? What worked? What didn't? You know, often people are just sitting there trying to confirm their biases and, you know, people are sitting there on YouTube. And again, I'm a little bit like that, right? I'm going to do my best to give a nuanced opinion. But, you know, I sell online courses. I really believe in the idea of, you know, self-teaching and the power of that and the way that you can tailor your education specifically to your your type of art. I think that is so, so important. I think it is, you know, the really the way forward. And a lot of my frustration with traditional educational paradigms is how slow they are to move. It's like you're stuck in molasses so often when you're in those systems, trust me. And, you know, I see how, you know, quickly information spreads online. You can take a course in this, you can take a course in that. And then, you know, six months later, it's like, oh, this is updated. Here's the new information. It's so much more vibrant. There's so much more energy there. Obviously, that's kind of, you know, how I think. But again, as I said, you know, people who go and spend a lot of time and commit to these, uh, you know, three or four or five year educational institutions and really put time in, they get something out of it that is a little bit ephemeral and they're really, you know, interested in that and they're always talking about that. So, you know, look, I'm going to do my best. So if I can share a little bit of my journey more specifically, hopefully that'll help contextualize and uh, again, just give you an idea for kind of how these things might work. So a lot of this is obviously going to be relevant to what you're specifically going through right now, which is often the way technology will change and disrupt the needs of a particular industry or a way a particular craft is practiced. When I was trying to figure out how to get a job as an artist initially back in the day, digital was the big disruptor. People were drawing on computers, Wacom tablets were just coming along. And I went to the only course that I really 
thought could help me, which wasn't even an art course. It was an advertising and graphic design course. And it was what we call in Australia, a TAFE course, which is probably similar to like a community college in the United States. And I'm sure, you know, other countries have a similar thing. It's kind of the, the lower level education underneath a college or university degree. And people typically, it's like a trade school. People value it on an intellectual level less, but it often helps you get a job more. This school was actually a lot harder to get into than many of the university degrees. And they had a really, really hard sort of work hard culture. There was a major attrition rate that was designed into the course. On year one, they would let, you know, 100 people in, maybe 80 people in, something like that. And in second year, there was basically 40 places. And in third year, there was 14 places. It was something like that. So it was like you basically only got in, you only got to progress if you were doing really well at it and you were doing all the things that people needed. And there were a lot of classes in there that were specifically designed to kind of weed people out. This was, uh, again, it's still in a digital era, but one of the classes I had to take, for instance, was finished art, which is where you have to draw and reproduce logos with old school ink repeatograph pens. They did a lot of really old school stuff. At the time, that felt like um, dinosaurs, right? And I was just like, what are we doing here? The computers they had were really sort of old computers, even for the time. And I felt like, look, it's obvious to see where the future is going. And I wanted to learn more about digital art. It's interesting because the design industry is often a technical industry. People are working on computers. I mean, all design is done computer, you know, done on computers these days. But even, you know, it's always been something where new technology has allowed more creativity and more um, quality to, you know, make it to the forefront with the design. So, you know, it was frustrating to me to be in that sort of situation and not have them really moving forward with a lot of the things that I wanted to learn, like Photoshop. So I basically got to a stage where I knew more about Photoshop than most of the lecturers there. And I, you know, hired out all the books in the library and I was sort of figuring this stuff out and I was online, I was on forums as soon as you could and I was figuring this stuff out. I just kind of realized like, look, I'm not learning as much as I should here. And this was probably, this was really the only art educational option I had at the time. The other options were like illustration at a university, which because university tends to be more academic and intellectually focused, they don't typically focus on a lot of actual craft techniques. So, you know, the the best way to kind of frame that is often like the higher level university degrees are often trying to train you to be an art director, right? To think. And a lot of the exercises there were maybe more abstract and more about thinking and creativity, or at least that's how they framed it. And all I wanted to know was, look, how do I draw? How do I do it? Someone teach me how to draw, please, please, please. And there was no one. All the art schools were very much capital A art. And that meant, hey, you're going to draw triangles for three years and you're going to write essays about it. And mostly it was like, yeah, you're going to probably spend 10 minutes drawing some very average triangles with some medium that, you know, you haven't thought about. Um, you know, you're going to take a dump in a corner and then you're going to write an essay about it. And then that makes you an artist. And I was just like, I, I, I don't even know where to start with that. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, so I just kind of was like, look, this is my best option. This is what I'm going to do. I took it for a little bit. It didn't really work out for me. And so I quit and I, you know, as I said, I was working on my folio. I was learning Photoshop on my own. I was reading books. I was on forums and I managed to get a job six months later as a lowly texture artist, uh, sort of junior intern level position 
at a video game studio. And I got that because I'd been working at, on Photoshop. I'd been really pushing and, and trying to learn these new techniques that were sort of clear to me that that was coming along, but not many other people were doing it. So I was kind of at the cutting edge of that. And so therefore I got a job at the time. And then I lost that job six months later because, uh, you know, the company had project drop and, you know, all of that kind of ended. And then, uh, you know, so I thought, hey, this is really good. You know, I've sort of made it, uh, you know, I've made it. Uh, I'm in the industry. I got my foot in the door. And then that completely went away. And not long after that, basically all video game industry in Australia died completely. So I kind of then had to become a freelancer. I figured out how to, you know, do uh, comics. I, I, I worked as, you know, French comics for a while. I'd done concept art, done a whole bunch of stuff. But again, it was a very rocky journey in the beginning. And I kind of had to figure a lot of these things out on my own. I had to figure out most of the business side of things. But interestingly enough, a lot of the design stuff that I learned was aimed at getting people to be able to run their own little businesses. And so a lot of that stuff actually helped me out in the end, understanding how to deal with clients, how to think about a design process. These were things that had nothing to do with drawing, which is what I needed to know. But I actually, you know, got to take a lot of those things and use them directly when I was talking to clients. Now, I wasn't very good at it, and I don't necessarily think that the education I got was like some amazing, uh, you know, how to become an amazing business owner or freelancer. But the idea was there, whereas I know for a lot of people, just the whole concept of running a business and, you know, dealing with clients was very much alien. And a lot of people shied away from that, whereas just because I got exposed to that very early on, I was able to use it later on. And it was a really good foundational concept that I was able to build upon. So look, these were, you know, for me, pretty arduous times, right? This was a long journey. It took me a long time to get anywhere to the point where I was putting together a decent salary for most of the, you know, early years, I was in starving artist mode. And, you know, while I got pretty good at that and I learned all the tricks of the trade, surviving on nothing, figuring out how that works, it really took me a long time to put together anything even remotely close to, you know, a normal kind of salary or anything like a living. And, you know, even, you know, after I was getting published and, you know, I was getting things, it still took a long time for me to, again, get to like a decent living because I was having to put in so much more time than, you know, other professional artists who had been doing this for much longer. So, you know, th these things are tricky. It's never an easy road, but, uh, you know, it's never an easy road, even if you do have a traditional art education. But definitely for me, I had to figure out a lot of these things early on. And, you know, I can't say it was like, hey, just, you know, quit art school, just go your own way. And it's easy, right? Like these things are a real challenge. But I feel like I learned a lot about myself through doing that. I certainly understand how to live with less money, which I think is always valuable as an artist. And I also, you know, really got to understand how I function. And because I learned a lot of those skills then by myself, it's a lot easier for me to kind of pick up new skills now. So again, there's always a lot of positives and negatives when it comes to any of these choices that we make. Speaking of money and lack of money, so much of this conversation really is kind of overshadowed by the elephant in the room, which is how much these traditional art educations typically cost. 
if you are not in the United States, it's often hard to comprehend the cost of some of these courses, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And even though in Australia, and I think in you know many parts of Europe as well, we have good subsidies for education. And in Australia, there's a pretty good deal, for instance. And I think, again, as I said, in other European countries, I think you can also get a similarly good deal. In some places, it's still completely free. In Australia, you get a government sort of debt scheme and system whereby it doesn't really cost you anything as the student, but you do have to pay it out once you earn over a certain amount. But the thing is, even though that seems like, oh, you know, I don't have to worry about it, all of these debts are real. And what I found is, again, it's easy to overlook them in the beginning and say, like, hey, look, you know, I'll probably never earn that much anyway, right? It's kind of easy. They kind of hang around. They are part of your sort of debt credit score to a certain degree. It's hard to shake them. And they are real. The amount of money you have to pay always has to be factored in. Because the more you kind of get in debt, the more that sort of subtly defines the choices you tend to make as a creative professional. And often, you know, that can define your overall trajectory. The more you're defined early on by the jobs you take that may be defined by, you know, money as the primary driver, the less likely you are to potentially explore more creative options to figure out who you are as an artist. And it's often those kind of understandings and your ability to build your own professional creativity that will allow you to get the higher paying jobs in the end. So there's a certain degree to where you really have to factor in the money side of it and contemplate that. But as with all of these things, right, that's so specific to your actual situation. And, you know, there's no real right or wrong answer there either. So much of that heads us towards what I think is often at the crux of this conversation, which is what do you actually get at one of these institutions? Why is it better? What could we say about it? There's a number of things that these big art institutions that are known for producing good outcomes for students do. I think that typically they provide a good example of work ethic. They will most of the time push you really hard and force you to do a lot of work. Now, I think there's positives and negatives to that, but the positives are that it really forces you to think like, look, do I actually want to do this? Often, many of these industries that are trying to be, you know, they're trying to teach you how to do as a job, a lot of them are full of very passionate people. And these industries do require real focus. And you kind of won't get a job if you're not really keen and excited about this. There's probably an interplay between the amount that you need to work hard being related to the amount you're passionate about that topic. And there's something where that accountability will kind of wear someone down who's not really that interested in and I think that that can be valuable. So often what is happening is you're being put through this little crucible of kind of focus and they're trying to weed out and tell you like, look, you're probably not interested in this enough because you can't put up with all this sort of work and all this nonsense that we're sort of feeding you. And that can be really useful on its own. Although it is kind of an expensive lesson if you don't actually take it, if you realize like, look, I'm not actually cut out for this. I'm not actually that into it. The other thing is, I think there are many roads to focus and passion. And I talk a lot about those on the channel. But certainly I think it's easy to see that many of these good 
big art institutions push their students really hard. They provide a lot of accountability and it can be very challenging to push yourself that hard and figure out how to motivate yourself to do all those things and be around other people who are also really motivated and to soak up that culture of passion and excitement. It's often that work ethic that really drives people to create important, exciting projects and things in these industries. And if you don't kind of understand, if you're not sort of picking that up, you don't understand how hard often people are working to create these video games and movies and entertainment products. Um, yeah, you're going to be shocked if you actually just sort of waltz in there and expect it's all going to be easy. This requires a lot of passion. Often people who are really good and are in those industries are extremely passionate. They often work really hard. And there's a degree to where um, good art institutions will kind of teach you that. They'll get you in this kind of soup of creativity. They'll really push you. And that's a good way for you to tell like, hey, uh, you know, is this actually what I want to do? Secondly, one of the things that's happening there is you're learning culture. And culture, in my opinion, really is the crux of this entire thing. The thing that you can't really learn by yourself sitting at home is culture. And it's often culture that will not just help you to do better in a workplace because you're kind of learning the culture that might be needed in a workplace. But it's also teaching you work ethic and just how these people think. And this is very much part of what I kind of learned when I was going to advertising and graphic design school. They also do provide a good skill level, a good sort of external validation of whether or not you're going to be good enough. Now, I'd say this is probably a little bit overplayed. The number one thing that top art institutions do is they pick the best students. So if you see, uh, you know, a school and all the students who come out of it are good, it's because they got all the good students. All the good students wanted to go there. They don't take that many people and they manage to get, you know, an entire room full of people who are, you know, the best new prospects, right? The best new people who haven't gone to college or university yet, they get them all, right? And the better art institutions tend to maintain that level of quality. If you are one of these institutions, that's half the game. Get the best students. That means all your students become even better. And then the art institution kind of takes the credit there. It's easy to see that often if you take someone who isn't already good and isn't already hyper motivated, they're probably either not going to get through that course or they're not even going to get to do it in the first place. And look, that's certainly what happened to me. I went to an advertising and graphic design school and it was very clear to me that I didn't want to do advertising and graphic design. And as nice it would be to kind of grind through and get that bit of paper, I just really didn't care. And that taught me that firstly, I don't really want to be a graphic designer. I kind of knew that already, but I knew it for sure after doing that. And also, you know, it taught me a lot of things about, you know, those industries in general, how they kind of function. But the thing that I look back on that I did take away from that is not necessarily those skills, but it's the culture there. And a lot of those things are really, really hard to learn any other way. There was a huge focus on what I can only define as kind of conscious creativity, really figuring out how to come up with ideas. One of the main lecturers there who kind of ran the school was a big fan of Edward de Bono, who is very much into sort of thinking outside the box. That was his whole thing. You know, there were a lot of books written about this and really sort of trying to understand how to be creative, how to come up with ideas. And again, most of that stuff seemed pointless to me because it was about logos. But 
Then I became a concept artist. And what I found is, look, there's a lot of that underlying thinking provided a framework for me that was just a simple concept of culture, which is like ideas are sort of defined and, and, and manifest out of this weird kind of thinking, right? This brainstorming and that you can get better at it, that it isn't some magical thing where some people are just talented. It's that you can learn and improve your creative skills. It's something that happens there is sort of a functional science-based rationale behind it. And although, again, you might think like, oh, like that's obvious. It, it's kind of obvious to me now, but maybe before that, again, if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have that strong foundation that I'd be able to build on. It just wouldn't be part of my sort of fundamental mental framework. But just listening to those things, even though I was sitting there going like, oh, you know, when will this end? This is so boring. They still kind of seeped in and I'm sort of glad that I got exposed to that and that someone kind of forced me to look at that stuff, even though at the time I hated it. I look back on it quite fondly. The other thing was, again, getting good firsthand experience with people who were very much into a hard, challenging, competitive industry, which is similar to the entertainment design industry. Again, the design, graphic design, advertising, marketing industries have a lot of similarities. We're often dealing with design briefs, um, very sort of technical, like often th there's, there's an interesting mix of things you have to do where like people are asking things, your art director is asking something of you and you need to sort of sublimate your personal creativity to a certain degree, but you need to control it at the same time and kind of mix all these things up at once. So there's a real sense for that. And people were very much into talking about the work ethic involved. And so even though, again, I wasn't interested in the topic, that stuff seeped in and I got a real feeling for like how passionate these people were about running their design agencies and creating logos and doing all this stuff and, you know, how that worked and how much money you could make and how that functioned and what you should do and what you shouldn't do, how self-promotion works. Again, these are things, you know, at the time I was probably like, I just want to learn to draw, man. Like, how do, how do I draw? Get me out of here. But again, looking back, so much of that stuff has helped me out. I had to run my own business for a long time. That's still what I do. I had to think about like, oh, how do I talk to clients, right? A lot of those things were just very easy for me to do. And so when I had to become a freelancer because I lost my job and there were no job prospects, uh, look, it was still challenging, but I had an underlying framework that maybe if I'd gone to a different educational institution, I just wouldn't have had. Another thing that really stuck with me was how some of the, you know, staff disagreed with each other, that there were different opinions here about what it you know, took to become a good designer. And there are a lot of people who really resonated with me. And I, even though, again, I had no idea or no interest in what they were talking about, a lot of the ideas are things that I still remember today about how if we look at a lot of the good, you know, sort of high level graphic designers, the people who are charging millions of dollars for a logo and, you know, all that would happen is someone would just draw a little logo on a napkin and then, you know, send it off to all their kind of minions to kind of actually make a, a fancy version of it. And, you know, this, these were these kind of big maverick, you know, graphic design gods who just had this kind of innate creativity and this ability to understand these things. And, you know, they was kind of rich and famous and powerful and they were creating all these sort of branding deals for these huge companies. And this was amazing. And again, there's a lot of ideas there that I think are really relevant to the entertainment design industry about how important the idea is at its core. And this is something that we still always talk about with 
you know, design where these days a lot of the graphic design is a lot of, sorry, concept design, you know, design characters, ships and, you know, environments, etc. People do a lot of it in 3D. But again, you know, it's a similar dynamic where often the thing that's so important that is so hard to teach, it's so hard to understand is just the initial idea. It's the little thumbnail sketch that often gets mythologized, but it gets mythologized for a reason. If you get the idea right, everything else is just execution. There's also this thing that often happens that I found, which to me is like a little bit kind of like the secret, right? It's a little bit sort of mystical. It's not related at all to the, the mechanism behind the secret of like manifesting your dreams or whatever. It's the degree to which random stuff I've learned has all almost all being able, being able to be utilized in some really fundamental way. So for instance, one of the things I had to do at this silly course that I couldn't wait to get out of was we actually printed our own business cards. So, and by that, I mean, not like, oh, you sent them off to like a printer. It's like, no, no, we actually went down because this school was part of a print school. And by print school, it means they would actually have prints with, you know, printers with printing drums. And there'd be guys who were learning how to print and put like ink on the actual print drum. And they had bromide cameras. So we had to literally like finished art with repeater graph pens on, you know, sort of a paste up board. We had to create our own business card, our own logo. We had to put it in a bromide, reduce it down. And we had to actually print it like by print it and see what would happen and see how it would reproduce. And they had this guy who was like really old and he's been a printer for like, you know, 60 years or something like that. And just so, and, and you just kind of can't, you can't find these people any other way to kind of just get a vibe for like, oh, that's kind of how printers think, right? Like that's kind of what that culture and that craft is about. And, you know, just understanding that helped me a lot. It helped me because later on I sort of got into comics and part of comics is printing and you have to actually understand quite a bit about ink levels and how the colors that you're creating digitally will saturate the paper and how those things are done so for instance you know when i'm creating my seven pirates book in the french sort of industry they give a color profile and i'm like oh i understand why they're giving me a color profile because it's going to define the ink limit on the paper and that means I can preview it in Photoshop and I can understand what's going to happen there. And then I can calibrate things and kind of get an idea for it. I would never have known that if I hadn't, you know, had to go down there and print my own stupid business card and do all that kind of dog and pony show stuff that I thought had no relevance to my life whatsoever. So this is why I think it is a complicated question. And we really have to consider these ideas, what's valuable, what's not valuable. For me, it's very hard to really tell when, you know, I was back there, like what would be valuable to me in the future? And it's this weird sort of journey where I go through it and I do all these different things. And again, you know, once I come to the end of it, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. This was valuable. This was not valuable. I thought this was a waste of time. And turns out it wasn't. And this thing I thought was going to be, you know, the be all end all. And I was going to have to do a lot of it. Right. And uh, it turned out it was a complete waste of time. I didn't need to do that at all. Right. Um, you know, it's so much like, uh, again, when I was a kid um, and, you know, I was watching a lot of 80s movies. For some reason, there was always quicksand in 80s movies. And I sort of thought that quicksand was going to be a much bigger part of my life, much more sort of apparent danger than it actually was. Right. I've never seen quicksand. I don't know anyone who's ever seen quicksand, but I feel like every 80s movie had like some quicksand scene where there's someone dying in quicksand and they're sort of like sticking the stick out and you got to Anyway, I digress. But there's a lot of these things where, you know, you, you can't really tell how important it is going to be, 
you know, in the beginning. So I guess that leaves us with the question, what are the answers, right? Like what, how, what, look, is, is there an actual answer here? Should you go to art school? Should you not go to art school? I think the real key here is that I took responsibility for my own education. It was something where I understood that this was not necessarily going to go how I wanted, and I took it into my own hands. I decided what I was going to learn, and I understood what I thought I needed to learn. And, you know, I, I it was messy, right? But uh, the bottom line there is I took responsibility for it. I didn't say like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do what these people say. You know, I, I really tried to pay attention and do my best job at figuring out what I needed to learn and what the best way for me to learn that was. And again, I think the process is messy. So I recommend that wholeheartedly. I think that it's important for us all to take responsibility for what we need to learn and how we're going to learn it and to seek out the best way to do that. And that might be, again, a traditional art school. It might not. It might be a mix. It might be that you take a year and, you know, just figure stuff out and then go to art school. Actually, I think that's not always the worst idea. I think that frequently what I've seen is that students who come directly from high school and just kind of hit one of these like a good school, you're not actually ready for it. And I think that's something that you can also see mirrored in, you know, places like Art Center, uh, which in the US, which often produce, you know, a lot of really high end students is that, you know, people prepare, they prepare to go there. They work on things before they take other classes. They make sure that when they hit that, spending their hundreds of thousands of dollars to go through that curriculum that they're focused and then, you know, they're kind of prepared for it. I've seen that, you know, people who are still kind of in that sort of vague fog of high school and they just kind of get out, like, oh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'll take this art course. And then often they spend the first year and a half just kind of figuring out where they are in the world and what on earth is going on. How do they, you know, how do they figure out what they want to do? And it, it's often really frustrating because by the time they kind of click into gear when they they do, they're kind of halfway through the course and they're not, they haven't actually learned most of the stuff from the first year and a half. I see that, like I've seen that countless times, right? It's, it's, it's a pattern. So, you know, again, you have to know where you are. You have to know whether you're prepared. And I think definitely it's important to really consider the thing that you're going to do, even if it is a traditional art education as something that you're prepared to do. You know a lot about the course. You're really excited about it. Um, you know exactly what it is going to do, what it's not going to do. And you're going to be prepared and responsible to take the things that it's not going to do for you into your own hands so that you understand that and you would appreciate that. Again, no school is going to be able to teach you everything. This is just brick and mortar and human individuals. These people are doing their best. But in many cases, the institution makes pivoting, teaching what people actually want very hard, right? I've been firsthand on the front lines trying to, you know, fight those fights. And you know, often it's kind of very tricky to actually get the things that we need to get into the curriculum. And, uh, you know, that's just one of those things. So you really have to understand the utility of all the tools that you're going to use in your arsenal to figure out how you're going to learn the things that you need to learn in order to succeed in the world, in your chosen career, in this case, in some kind of artistic endeavor. All right. So hopefully that is kind of talking around this topic and, you know, my sort of journey and, and me sort of rambling my way through it has helped you maybe, you know, clarify some things or maybe you're just interested in, in the journey. Anyway, 
either way, what I want to do as I normally do is think about some analytical takeaways. So, you know, how can we sort of take all this information and actually form it into something that makes sense going forward? As I said, the first thing that I think is important to consider is the analytical takeaway, the thinking version of this. So, I think it's easy to say that like, yes, you can learn without art school. I did it. I think a lot of people did it. But again, we're all learning from somewhere and you have to have a strategy. You have to figure out what works and what doesn't. I think that you definitely can though. I think that's obvious. Yes, it is possible. I think also it could be said that yes, if you can go without an art school, it is better. I think it's much easier for you to really tailor your education to do exactly the things that you want. And you're also going to learn the fact that education is ongoing. And that's one of the things we're often trying to build into the curriculum is to say like, look, you're going to want to keep doing this. The best artists keep taking courses. They keep doing things. One of the worst cultural things that I found in the particular part of the world that I am is that people who have done one of these courses and are kind of professionals already, they never take extra classes. They kind of think, like, oh, I'm, I wouldn't take a class because, you know, I'm, I'm already a professional. Whereas, you know, what I find in the most sort of high performing areas, you know, if you do go to, you know, California and you see people who are coming out of Art Center and, you know, they're performing at the highest level and they're still taking classes, they're taking each other's classes, they're teaching classes. The idea of consistent, constant self-improvement is so important as an artist. And that's something that I think you will learn if you kind of have to do it in the beginning as you kind of just keep going and you can, you know, start to try and get work earlier and you can build skills and you can take the feedback of like, oh, what, what was really hard when I did that job? What do I need to improve? Again, I think there's a good interplay here. And definitely, even if you do do a traditional art education, you're going to need to figure out how to educate yourself anyway. And I think the more you do that, the better. We could also say, yes, it is cheaper. It's obviously significantly cheaper, even if you're in a situation, right, like in Australia, where you can kind of do it for free, even though you're getting this massive debt load that you kind of don't see. It's just kind of sitting on top of you until you start earning a certain amount of money. I don't know what it's like in Europe and some other countries that have good educational subsidies as well. But look, you know, that's still debt. It's still on your name. You still have to deal with it. And I think if you're just sort of learning on your own, it's significantly cheaper overall. You're often able to kind of manage those costs a little bit better. And there's a lot of free options as well. Next, I guess there's the question of like speed. Is it faster to go through a traditional art education? Is it faster to learn on your own? I think there's there's so much of this just comes down to you. Exactly, do you know what you want to do? The thing that is going to increase your speed is the clarity of thought, understanding how focused you are and understanding how focused you need to be in order to learn at a particular pace. And this is where, you know, often what I recommend is really trying to get to a point where you understand where you're wanting to go with your art, maybe what the career opportunities there are, although it's often hard to know, you know, in, in four or five years, like what's going to be around. But to just understand the vector that you're heading on and then to get a feeling for like, how fast are you going? And do you think you're going to get to the place you need to be by a reasonable amount of time? And if not, then yeah, you're probably going to need to put in more effort. If you're going fast enough, then, you know, that's fine. But a lot of this is about efficiency, about focus. And I don't think the actual art education has, you know, much to do with that. The traditional institution is going to try and push you. 
But there's many people who come out the other end and they're still not ready for work. They need another two years to process, um, to get sort of better. Uh, yeah, you know, and there's some people who, you know, are really good and they're just focused. So much of what you're going to learn doesn't really matter where you are, even if there's heaps of accountability, you know, you can be forced to do the exercise. The question is, did you actually learn from it? Did you actually take away something? Did your skills improve? If you don't understand and get that focus right, it really doesn't matter what you do. You're not going to improve fast enough. And it's just going to take you a while to figure out what you need to do in order to improve fast enough, which means you're going to be slower anyway. So speed is really subjective. It's all about you and how much you can sort of learn in a given amount of time anyway. In terms of culture, I think this is the one thing where a traditional art education is going to still have a lot of relevance, right? I think it is very tricky to learn culture over the internet remotely. It's one of those things that kind of seeps in and you learn it from the lecturers, the teachers. It's almost like it kind of is part of the walls, right? It's just kind of there. And culture from an organizational point of view is something that's very sticky. Once it's there, it tends to permeate and everyone kind of understands like, yeah, I have a general sort of feeling of how this stuff should be done, how we should approach it, how much focus we should have, what's important, what's not important. Especially if you're really, you know, coming in from a completely different cultural aspect and you're really trying to figure out like what is this particular industry about, going to a brick and mortar school is something where you're going to learn about that hopefully, if it's a good one. If it's a bad culture, you're going to learn a bad culture as well. So there's no real right or wrong answer here. Again, you have to understand, is the school right for you? Is it going to give you the right culture? Are you going to fit in? Are you going to gel with everyone? Are you going to vibe with it? Or are you going to hate it, right? A lot of these places will push you really hard. A lot of these places are going to be more laid back. A lot of them are going to focus on ideas, not technique, etc. You've got to understand what the culture you want what kind of jobs you want to do, who you want to hang out with, what industries you want to be a part of, and you've got to find the right school that's going to have the right culture for you. They're not all the same. It's not some sort of cookie cutter thing. You really got to make sure it fits you. Accountability is the last thing here that I think we can think about analytically. And certainly for a lot of people, I think this is probably the primary reason they go to some school is to have someone to tell them, you need to do it, right? You need to do it now. Let's go finish the homework. And I think that, you know, look, if that's valuable to you, I think it's very challenging to get that same level of accountability, you know, just immediately. Like you can go to a school and someone can be like, you have to do this thing or you're going to feel bad. And there's a whole bunch of people around you in the class who are also doing it. And that kind of peer pressure and that whole thing, you know, is really going to push you in that direction. Personally, that stuff has never worked that well for me. So, you know, I'm just like, eh, look, I, I from from my experience, I, I've kind of had to figure that stuff out on my own anyway. And that's allowed me to freelance and run my own business a little bit better because I'm not relying on sort of like a work environment or something that to kind of motivate and provide accountability. I've had to do that myself. But Again, this is just a tool. you got to figure out what you need. If you really need someone to kick you uh, in the pants and sort of get things going, light a fire under you, and you need that sort of situation where you're under pressure and it's external, then a school is going to do that pretty well. Okay, if we try and look at this from a simplistic sort of bro point of view, again, I think that's pretty easy. I thought at the time that the course that I was doing was a bit of a waste of time, and it was, but I also learned a whole bunch of stuff that I never thought would be important, but was actually super valuable to me. And I still use it to this day. 
There's not a real solid takeaway there, but I think that is nevertheless the crux of the way that I've sort of experienced this. All right, let's look at some tactical things. What can you actually go away and do that might sort of maybe help you use this information? The first is what I was talking about previously, which is take responsibility. I think it's so important to understand that no one else is going to care about your education, your future prospects more than you do. The educational institutions care mostly about them. That's why what they do is typically try and find the best students that they can get the best folios out of at the end and have the most good outcomes for. It's kind of easier that way. And that really is the game. You know, if you are one of those good students, they're going to want you there. You're going to do well anyway, and then they're going to kind of take the credit for all your hard work. If you are not that good, then all they're going to care about is making sure you don't fail, you don't embarrass them, and that you kind of do the stuff and you don't kind of stick out and don't cause problems, right? Again, everyone has their own sets of incentives, and I think yours has to be to look out for yourself Figure out what you want to do and understand that only through careful thought and consideration can you really find the educational outcomes that are going to work for you. Okay, and this is not really fully like a, a tactical thing that you can go and do now, but it's something that I think is so important is to understand that the debt is real. The debt that you're going to have from going into one of these large institutions, even again, as I said, in Australia where it's kind of almost free. In Australia, it's almost like people actually get paid to go because when you go to school, you get the debt kind of put on a plan so you don't have to pay it, but you also go on welfare and you get paid a little bit of money to be a student. Like, oh, I'm learning, so therefore you get a small kind of um, you know payment from the government. So it's almost like incentivizing people to go and get like degrees and stuff like that, which is kind of like, I guess that's a good thing. The problem is that a lot of people do it maybe for the wrong reasons. And again, the thing to consider is no matter how big or small the debt is, the debt is real. And the more debt you have, the more it's going to define the choices you're able to make. And a lot of those can actually limit your ability to make money in the future. If you're focused on just trying to make payments or, you know, sort of figure out how to get something down, then again, you're less likely to think about, okay, what do I actually want to do? Um, you know, do I need to learn more? How much money do I need to make? Again, the idea of having to graduate and start making a certain amount of money immediately to pay some debt down to me is kind of terrifying, right? And I think uh, that's something that has to be considered um, really, really strongly. The debt is real. Okay, lastly, takeaways. I really want to look at this from the spiritual philosophical viewpoint. And I think the real question here is, if I had to do it again, knowing what I know now, would I still have gone to art school or would I have I just skipped it entirely, right? Would I just quit a lot earlier? And I think the thing is that no, I think I did the right thing. I learned the things that I needed to learn. What I would do differently is try and think about it in a less kind of binary us and them way. One of the things that I think I was focusing on a lot at the time was, is this right for me? Are these people serving me? Is this information good or bad? And I think it really stopped me from just looking around and saying, well, maybe this is pointless, but what can I learn? Because I'm here anyway. And I think that really is the main takeaway that I would sort of give you is that I think the more you can just be selfish in terms of thinking about how can you use the thing that you're learning right now 
and how's it going to serve you and help you going forward, the more you can do that, the better. I spent a lot of time worrying about those things. And even though I decided and I learned that, look, this graphic design thing is not for me, obviously, I obviously wanted to do something else. But, you know, there was a lot of people telling me at the time, hey, this is a good plan B, you know, graphic design pays quite well, you know, you can be sort of an illustrator and graphic designer and, you know, maybe you'll do a bit of illustration on the side. There's that whole thing. And I was like, yeah, look, you know, that does make sense, right? You know, graphic design pays well. It's a respectable business, like blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, like that's, uh, that's the sort of thing I had to deal with. But again, I learned what I needed to learn. And what it taught me was that I needed to, in my particular situation, burn that bridge. And I burnt it really hard. Right? <laughs> At the time I really quit. I was like, this is it. You know, I'm sick of this. And it really gave me the conviction to know that the only way forward was through me figuring this out my own. I tried, I found the best solution I could. I was there. I stayed long enough to know this is not for me. This is not going to do what I need. And it's time for me to, you know, try something else to figure out how I can get the outcome that I want through other means. And again, if I just done that from the beginning, maybe I would always have at the back of my mind, like, oh, maybe I should quit this doing it myself thing go to a real school, get some people who really know what they're doing. And, you know, then maybe I'll sort of figure it out. And maybe I'd always have this thought that like, oh, I don't have a proper education. Uh, maybe that's something I should do. You know, I'm not a real person. I don't have a degree, all of this kind of stuff. Again, you know, I've sort of really learned that that's not the case. And I only did that through going through this particular journey. And I think those lessons have been invaluable over the years. As I said, the thing that I would really change is just that idea of sort of binary nature of like, yes, no, good, bad. I think if I paid a little bit more attention, I probably would have enjoyed the process a little bit more if I'd worried less about that whole situation, which uh, look, it's very hard to do that. But that's something that I try and tell students now is that if you're in a class and you're not really vibing with the lecturer, that's fine. Just try and figure out what you can learn from them. Obviously, they're not going to be able to teach you everything you need. And this may be a situation where you've really got to sort of manage your emotion around it, right? Don't fight that stuff. Just kind of figure out like what you can take from that class and, you know, move on with your life, you know, figure out what you do want to do. And again, find the thing that does actually work for you. But you know, again, it's very easy to say that I'm the kind of person where what works better for me is I burnt the bridge. I burnt the bridge hard. I, you know, cut off all of that stuff. I made a huge sort of fuss about it, not necessarily to the class or anything like that. But for me, I was just like, look, I am done with this. I am out of here. I quit. I'm never doing this again. And I burnt those bridges, right? I went straight back down to the ground and I had to claw my way up the mountain myself and figure out all this stuff myself. And I think maybe the intensity of that, you know, burning the bridge, crossing the Rubicon, really deciding in a hard fashion, like, I hate this. I'm not doing this anymore. This sucks. Um, you know, that gave me the energy that I needed, right? So again, we're all different. It's easy to say, hey, you should do this reasonable thing, right? I'm not a reasonable person normally. Um, burning the bridge often works quite well for me. And I think it worked really well in that instance. That's all I got time for on this one. Hopefully this was an interesting little sort of journey. Again, a little bit more of an essay. Not a lot of hard advice to give here, unfortunately, but a lot of people ask me this question. And one of the reasons why often people are you know, asking in a comment or an email, I'm just like, 
This is such a complicated topic, right? I've been around this space for so long, for years. I've got so many things I could kind of say about it. It's really hard to find a good answer here. And I think that's because so much of it is about our individual journey and your journey and trying to figure out what you want to do specifically. So that's kind of what I was trying to do here, trying to outline the way that I really think about this. Anyway, let me know what you think about this in the comments down below. Leave me a like or subscribe on YouTube or a review on podcast platforms and we'll see you on the next one.